0: On today's episode, our comic book experts Josh Peterson and Diana Tierney stop by as we share our opinions on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Doctor Strange gets sets to join in on all the fun. The guys from GamerCast are back, and we give you a taste as J, Robin Glenn talk Nintendo Quest and the Portland Gaming Expo, and we look at the holiday season for video games and ask, What is EA thinking? all this and more as we delve into a spooky halloween version of
1: <laughs>
0: the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos and we are live once again it's another episode of pop culture cosmos this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source coming at you right here and i'm here again with my good friend the author of vendetta dark and the upcoming congratulations you suck and the director of ghost toasters it is josh peterson how are you my friend
2: boo hey thanks for having me
0: that's right it is the scary halloween edition of pop culture cosmos we are so grateful to be on the air broadcasting to each and every one of you out there we are so thankful for you listening to us we truly appreciate you coming back for more each and every week right here at 10 p.m eastern and 7 p.m pacific on the podcast radio network we hope everyone out there just enjoys what we do if you got a question out there, just email us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, there's some uh, a lot of good things to talk about this week because it is a strange week. Sorry for that, but I had to say it. It is I a strange.
3: Totally
0: yeah, <laughs> it's a strange week indeed because Doctor Strange is due out this week in uh, theaters, and we are definitely looking forward to it as big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But before we get into more Doctor Strange, because we got just a little taste last week, but we want to delve into it even more with our comic book expert, Josh, right here. But I recently, on our home site, palmculturecosmos.wordpress.com, wrote an article in regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I know Josh has taken a little bit of time in between his hysterical laughing, I'm sure, as he read it, Um, as far as uh, my thoughts from worst to first on how the Marvel Cinematic Universe has has been shaped and been formed, and my thoughts on exactly the highs and lows of that cinematic universe. So uh, I know you've had a chance to check it out, and I know you have your own thoughts over the course of, of your many years of watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and since you are a comic book expert and the man in the know when it comes to comic books. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe first off?
3: Um
2: okay, so I got your list out here and let me ask you this. Did you arrange them in order of
0: worst to first, baby?
2: Worst to first? So are these your favorites or are these like what you think is key for people to um, to like get it?
0: Well, no, it's it's not an importance of of, you know, this is the one you Well, actually, you know what it is because these these are one of the factors that I did is weighing in on it was my choices were based off of importance to the cinematic universe, but also as well, just as enjoyable film because uh, some of the Marvel cinematic universe films have suffered from a lack of cohesion in their story, which, you know, relates to a lack of storytelling for the Marvel cinematic universe overall. So I guess you could say from that standpoint, yes, but for the most part, is based on my preferences as a reviewer, as someone who reviews films and 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 takes a look at the you know that the best side and the worst side of each film so that's my list from worst to first, so you know take a look at it, see what you like, but your thoughts so far as you know as if you've read it and and what do you think at well, we're starting from the Thor films because uh, you know, leading in from the Hulk film to the Thor films, those are the weakest points in my thought process as far as the the low points in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: I feel like Thor gets a really bad rap just because it's it's a such a different different tone compared to all the other Marvel movies. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, they. You know, that was good. That was funny. They did that correctly. But Thor is, it, people love Thor, but his movies get so much crap. Like, pe- I don't understand it. He needs, you need to have Thor to, like, Thor is the, a lot of, like, the connecting points for, like, uh, the different realms of Marvel. And this is going to be especially important going forward into Doctor Strange. But I know that the, the first Thor movie was, you know, it it was odd. It it wasn't really that great, but the second Thor movie I thought was fantastic. And I'm going through your list here, and I totally agree with your top five. So you have Captain America: The Winter Soldier for one, Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, The Avengers three, uh, Captain America: First Avenger four, and Iron Man for five. I agree with all of those choices except Captain America. The oh, First and Avenger. I
0: know everybody has has well, that says that. I know. <laughs> I can understand it, but as a straight-telling origin story, there is for me no better experience. Um, Iron Man comes close, but as a straightforward—you know—I have not seen the origin story for Doctor Strange, but as a straightforward origin story, well, I guess you could say the Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the best of the origin stories if you wanted to go that far into that realm. But as a singular entity, straightforward. For me, it's it's the easiest. It's probably of all all the films that that you know because they all almost all of them pop up on FX. It's probably the easiest one for me to watch and get into on a on a time by time basis because it's just to me just an easy watch, very enjoyable, straightforward. It's it's you know not not quirky, doesn't go off on a side rant or anything like like that nature. It's just really just a solid very solid origin tale it's it maybe in that sense a lot of people are turned off by it because it really didn't do anything fantastic at any one area but it just tells a straightforward story and and as an origin story for me it was kind of kind of nice to see that because I guess because it becomes that much of an or, more better for origin story for me because it just it's from that era he is the original Avenger He's thought of in that realm, and and I think because of the fact that it differentiates itself because it comes from World War II in that standpoint, maybe that may, made it a little better for me, but it, for me, it's a very easy watch whenever it comes on television. I've actually watched it several times again on DVD, so it's I, that's why it's so high up on my list. Thor The Dark World, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. First of all, I'm not going to, you know, say otherwise as far as you know your enjoyment and what you got out of the film, as far as is concerned. Because I've seen, I've evaluated since I did my own and off of other lists, and I've seen that that Thor: The Dark World, as a from a critical standpoint, is just not that high up on the food chain.
2: Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, I, I definitely get that, and you know, I, I get why people wouldn't like it. But it's kind of like Captain America; it's a critical movie. You need to have Thor to re, to the the new one to really understand, like. What's going on next? Where's Where's this going? We're, we're seeing Thanos. We're seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. We're seeing, uh, you know, we're gonna see all of these entities come together soon. And Thor is really the con- like the connecting point.
0: And don't get me wrong, I I understand his relevance in the Avengers universe. Don't don't get me wrong. I respect and appreciate his event. You know, his presence there. It's just it's some, you know, the movies themselves outside the relationship between him and Loki, you know, obviously Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, they mesh right away. Their, you know, interaction with each other makes both movies worthwhile as far as a watching event. It's just when you get outside of that uh, realm and, you, and it tries to tell any type of cohesive story, especially in the dark world, it just seems to fall apart at the edges and, and. um it, you know, from the small, tiny town in New Mexico uh, type feel to on the first movie to the the you know interdimensional interplay that they tried to have you go through, and uh, in the second one, it just seemed to not really just just hold together as a movie as well as some of the others in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's
2: it's definitely a removal from you know what you're used to. So you have. You know, we we're watching Iron Man, we we're watching uh Captain America and where all these movies are take place on Earth. So we have we've yet to see like these mystical realms. And I think that's kind of what pulls people out of it. But I think to me, uh you know, your your list goes from like what you enjoy watching. I, I kind of stopped having expectations of the comic books because you know, I've, I've read all these comic books, so I look at it like, okay, what did the, the these filmmakers, look at the, the task that they had set before them, and h- how well did they tell the story? So that's kind of how I look at it. So to me, like, uh, Thor would be a ridiculously difficult movie to make just because he has such a rich backstory, such a rich universe, and uh, to me, like, the filmmakers, I think they took did a... Well, you know, it wasn't that exciting the first one. They did a good job of taking all of that story they needed to tell and packing it into what like a 2-hour movie. You know, it, and Captain America my biggest disappointment with Captain America. I like I like it. I'll watch it. You know, it's it's I would definitely watch that over like uh the Hulk, but to me it's they they had uh the the Red Skull is he is such a psychotic bad guy. Like he is violent he's nasty he's vile and they they really downplayed that part about him in the movie
0: they toned that down to considerably i will agree with you on that but i think it was just you know obviously to create that uh maybe the rating the audience and it like like i said one of the faults of captain america the first avenger is that it just it stays within a safe realm the entire way uh that many people have faulted for I kind of like the way it presented itself within that safe generic realm of an origin story. It didn't try to do too much. But again, like I said, like you said, I am somewhat familiar with with the the Red Skull and as far as him in the in the comic book sense, and I understand that he's way more out there as a as a bad guy than than what he was represented on screen, but I think if that was the case and he was that type of wildness or if he's that type of of really really go for bad guy it would have differentiated from the film as a whole and it would probably just presented a, a different kind of contrast that i don't think would have meshed well with the film overall
2: right i i can see why they didn't go that route just because the that universe is new and they're working on expanding it so captain america is really important for the avengers that that comes next um yeah i i just I, it's disappointing you know kind of like you read the comic books and you're expecting this and then it kind of just lowers your expectations a bit that's all but i want to ask you about captain america civil war so i it's i agree that it should be high up on the list but looking back on it it's just what did you think of the movie
0: well it is high up on my list um the reason why I it was so high up on my list because it also, yeah, I, I know one of the things that you like to talk about is how certain Marvel movies, when they don't play a certain role, like for instance, we talk about Ant-Man all the time being like, being like a heist movie and it often portrays itself. And often people identify it as being different because it portrayed itself as kind of like a heist movie. And then you have the guardians of the galaxy, which we, you know, have stated uh, previously as well, that it, is more like a sci-fi and it presents itself in more of a sci-fi fashion. Well, to me, Captain America with a Winter Soldier is so high up on my list is because it presented itself to me as almost like a spy thriller. And that to me was, was uh, very different uh, from what I was expecting and what I was thought I was going to see when I sat down the movie into the movie the first time I watched it. And each time I watch it, it it still has an enjoyability factor, even though obviously I know what's going to happen and whatnot. It's made very slick. It's it's very stylistic. The pacing is well well done. Uh, I think it uh, keeps you intrigued and interested at all times. And I think Robert Redford's performance as you know one of the the bad guys and Marvel bad guys get a bad rap and and rightly so. I think he represents one of the best bad guys uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And frankly, you know, if anybody had ever wondered or didn't even know who's this guy, who's this old guy, you know, what was he all about and didn't understand who Robert Redford is and as far as American cinema is concerned, I think they got a great taste of what he still could do. And it just, to me, it was just an overall package of of a slick presentation, a good Marvel bad guy that they uh, really just, you know, presented well and also the fact that you know captain america was put in a different perspective in a different spotlight of of not him being the hero per se but him being the hunted and still trying to portray himself and still trying to be the hero at the same time and save lives
2: yeah it was it was it was a great movie the winter soldier was a really good movie i did i liked it because it it's it's, it's relatable for like people. So you, you have, you know, you're, we live in this system where, you know, politicians are doing things that make people who are really like good people look bad. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump. We're not going to get into that. But it's because uh, <laughs> you, you can't trust anybody. And that's, that's what I loved about Captain America. And that's the only way I got my dad to watch that movie is cause he, hates, he hates superheroes, hates comic books, hates the movies they're based on. But he sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end and he absolutely loved it. So I look at that and I see like, okay, so that, that was a good movie because you can take someone who isn't a comic book fan and make them watch it and they would watch it from beginning to end and they would love it. So they, they did a really good job with that.
0: You, could, you would tell somebody um, that's not familiar with it, uh, do you like thrillers? Do you like James Bond movies? Do you like um, you know, the Mission Impossible series? if you take it out of context and you don't put Captain America on it and you take it uh, and you watch the movie, you would put it more in line with, with those films than the Avengers or anything of that nature, because it just differentiates itself uh, so much. And it presents itself in such a slick fashion um, and and presents itself as a thriller. and, And it just seems to me like it was more of a spy you know almost like a cold war spy spy drama in, in many sense for me that uh it just seemed very enjoyable from that aspect it was quite different than what i was sitting gonna sit down and watch do you think that the netflix uh, marvel universe should be included in the Infinity wars i know there's going to be a ton of superheroes within the infinity wars saga but do you see your that there is a need for the netflix because there's been a lot of fans clamoring for that the the defenders to be added within that that realm do you do you see that happening and do you think it's necessary it
2: has to be done tastefully i it would be awesome honestly i was really hoping to see uh daredevil and civil war because he i don't know if you've read the comic books but he has a pretty like he has a really cool part in that series um so I, I I I hope so. I want to see it personally, but only if it's done tastefully because I know you're going to have so many heroes that you can't really give them all a great storyline. Like in Civil War, so like say they wanted to put the Punisher in there. In Civil War, uh the Punisher shows up for like 5 seconds and it's not really a big part. So they they would have to like they would have to handle it tastefully because the fans want it. I think the fans want it, but they would probably rather have those characters not be in it than have them be in it and not really doing anything, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, yes, it does. And and that's going to be the big task is can you get all these superheroes within one confined movie and be able to make them all matter within that movie and make fans of all those characters happy with what they were given in the movie. I know that's going to be a big task that's presented. We'll have to see what happens there. But moving back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, were there any movies within the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you feel needs to get more love, that needs to get more appreciation, and one that you think is really overrated? Yeah.
2: Okay, so first of all, I know we've talked about this before, but Ant-Man. Just let me let me tell you about Ant Man. Ant Man was a great movie. They had a hero. They took a hero basically that wasn't exciting. He didn't have you know he's he he shrinks and he can move like a bullet. That's you know he doesn't have a magical hammer. There's no fancy backstory there. Scott Lang is you know he's a West Coast Avenger and he's not really in a lot of the comic books. So they took it. They took an obscure character, an obscure. Alter ego, and they turned, and they made a really great movie. I think people give it crap because it wasn't like it's not all explosions and uh, you know destruction. It it had told the genuine story, and it seems like moviegoers aren't really fond of great stories these days. Was it okay? So, as far as like a movie that I think is overrated, overhyped, I I would have to say Civil War because I that was to me that's the biggest alter. Alteration of the comic books that they have done yet, and it it there's a lot of things in there that just it's a lot of whining. Like there's a the characters just whine, and it doesn't make sense to me that they would have Robert Downey Jr. They should like Tony Stark. He he absolutely loves what he does. Like in the in these hero movies, and like at, in the end of Avengers: Age of Ultron, he was not the depressed uh, guy seeking redemption for things that he was in Civil War. So it was kind of a big a big contrast and it didn't really make any sense. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like if they would have done like stuck to the comic books, if they would have waited a couple years and stuck to the comic books, they could have made that movie so much better. And it's just it's just too much back and forth, too much drama. It was it was an enjoyable flick, but it was not something that I would rank high on my list of Marvel movies.
0: I enjoyed the first half. The first half was was excellent, but Baron Zemo should have been, uh, you know, something that had been dealt with and created to be something more representative of the comic book because I think that would have worked out even more. And there was an opportunity there to have the the Masters of Evil rise. The first two acts were really good, and the third act just went downhill, straight downhill, like a bullet. And when he, when you have when you have the first two acts do so well and be so good to an audience. And then you have a third act that just really goes downhill like that. It's really disappointing for, for someone as they're leaving the theater like I did and, and said, Oh man, this could have been just really so much better executed. It really could have been something special.
2: Yeah. The entire, like the entire movie relied so heavily you know, spoiler alert, it relied so heavily on that plot twist of Bucky and, killing Tony Stark's parents. And it was a plot twist that didn't really make sense if you think about it, because why, why, where were they going? What were they doing? Why was he out there? I know they had something that the Russians, you know, the Russians obviously wanted, but it just, it doesn't make any sense. They kind of just seem like they were making it up as they go. And that the, the last scene when they're in the, uh, the bunker, can you imagine how cool that would have been if instead of, uh, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark fighting each other and Tony Stark crying about everything, if they would have let those those super soldiers out and they yeah, would have the all Masters of Evil. Them. Yeah.
0: That's what I was saying. That's what I was trying to say. If they could have been if if they would have let Baron Zemo become Baron Zemo and and let the Masters of Evil rise when they had that opportunity to do so, it it would have made for me anyways a much more enjoyable film.
2: Yeah, exactly. And they, it, it, it disappointed me. I was, it had really good build up. And then you got to that last scene. I, I don't know. To me, it just, it feels, it felt lazy. Like it felt really lazy. I, when you got, like you said, the last act, to me, like the writing was, the potential was there. It was there. And they just kind of like chucked it out because they didn't want to, like, they didn't want to do anything with it. They had, and especially that last scene doesn't make sense to me. Like how, Captain America just what he magically found that uh, that prison that's buried under water, and then he got in there, killed you know whatever the hundreds of military personnel in there, and got everyone out. It just it, it, it's, it's just a little tiny things like that that you notice, and it just kind of ruins it for you.
0: It does indeed, and, and it takes your opinion away from Captain America as this being all do good in person and always trying to find the righteous path to even go that route. Uh, yes. To save his friends. That's true. But to do, to even go that route and, and how he went about it. But it's, it's just, it was just so disappointing from that, that realm. I, I know that the movie gartered over a billion dollars. It is still the highest amount as far as that's been earned so far this year from the box office standpoint. And I know it's, it's done really well once it's come to home video, but I think, from a standpoint that again, the third act could have been so much better. I think it would have made for a film that could be longer thought of in the in the consciousness of, of fans because the the Avengers is is one of the most watched films of the new millennia. Here, you know, when it plays on television and it's still highly thought of and highly watched and highly uh, viewed by audiences. I think it could have retained that factor, and, and a lot of people are going to have that, still have that wow feeling when they see the airport scene, but I think the third act has ca- will cause it eventually for it to be put on the backside uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For more on Marvel Cinematic Universe, check out my thoughts from Worst or First on the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one of my latest articles on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Coming up next, right after the break, it's Diana Tierney of Wine, Women, and Words sharing her thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Coming up right after
4: the break. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. (laughs) What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks and no one has the same story. So check out the trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and we're back once again this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos how are you again and by the way i want to thank everyone for listening again this is the pop culture cosmos uh we're now listened to uh all over the place starting with the podcast radio network also want to thank our friends at the tangent bound network the eso network uh if you if you don't catch us there catch us available on Stitcher. Google Play, iTunes, of course, podcast.com, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And I've got a special guest on in this segment. It's Diana Tierney of Wine, Women, and Words, here to talk some more Marvel Cinematic Universe. How are you today, Diana?
3: I am doing pretty good. I just got a bit of the uh, convention hangover, so I'm treating it with tea and movies for the day.
0: Uh, there you go. There you go. That's a great way to uh, spend the day. Fair enough indeed. So obviously you are a person to go to when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, a deep enhanced knowledge of it, uh, just like Josh. And it's so great to have both of you to use as reference uh, within the comic book realm. I'm sure you've seen my article that I, I put out there on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com in regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I know you've had some time to take a look at it. And uh, as I as I told Josh, maybe time to laugh at it. But uh, your thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then there's also with, with Doctor Strange, it's leading up to... Uh, uh, we're looking forward to exactly uh, how that's going to play
3: out. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That looks so very... Inception-like, and they're really capturing that mysticism that was in the comics. Um, And it's been fun because I'm not that familiar with Doctor Strange. So I've been doing my homework for it since it's coming out, and I picked up some of the comics yesterday at the convention, and it's really cool. I am so excited about this whole mysticism aspect and in the comics, how he goes up, up to the Himalayas to study it, and it's... It's going to bring in like almost like a whole like jumpstart to the universe, I think, bringing in that aspect.
0: Absolutely, indeed. Uh, he'll be, uh, I guess, fighting, as they say, like to say, the battles uh, in a totally different realm than what the Avengers can do, uh, which could lead to a whole lot of possibilities come Infinity War's time. So I wanted to ask, looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, on some of the highs and lows, if they have not seen it, need to catch up on.
3: Well, what I love about it is that it's very much within our world, within our universe. So you don't have to really use your imagination to stretch out to say, okay, this can't possibly happen here. They use almost real-life events, and you have a lot of those consequences for your actions just like in civil war this past summer. Everything that built up to that was the consequences for the Avengers actions. And you you don't get that in the other superhero universes and things. You don't see the um the ramifications for them destroying cities and causing chaos. It's just up oh, that yeah that's what superheroes do. And at least in Marvel they're holding them accountable. It's like no, it's not just what you do. You're causing issues, but are you really helping us? And it's a great question that they ask. And the other thing I love about it is that you've got the comedy. It's not so dark. You don't walk out of the movie feeling like you have to take a bunch of antidepressants. You know, you're laughing through it, and it's enjoyable. And they have got some strong female characters. I'm sorry, I have to get on my feminist soapbox here for a moment. Um, in the other superhero role, They actually have some depth to them. I love Black Widow, and I love how over the progression of the movies, you get to know a little bit more about her and a little bit more, and she's developing more. And then we're going to get um, the Marvel, Miss Captain Marvel, and that's going to be just as awesome. And I'm really looking forward to her standalone movie.
0: Well, as someone who who has two daughters uh, who've really gotten – into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, it also is very uh, inspirational to for them to see such such great, strong female lead characters in Scarlet Witch and, of course, Black Widow. It's uh, going to be very, very strong, the representation indeed, and it's a very positive sign that that's uh, long overdue.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I remember getting excited over Elektra and then Elektra happened and it was just this huge disappointment and then there was just nothing for the longest time. And it so much of it was just blamed on, well, audiences don't like female leads. No audiences do like really strong female leads. We just like really good writers as well. And looking at the team behind Wonder Woman that's coming out and trusting the teams that they have for, um, for Marvel, we're going to get some really great, strong female driven leads in these movies. And it's, it's really exciting.
0: Well, I will say that Marvel has, I think they were not as quick to jump on it yet, especially with, they did develop black widow or they put, put her on screen, but they didn't realize the kind of following that she would get because of the brilliant performance of Scarlett Johansson. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of credit goes out to her with, with strengthening that character to the point that I think that now Marvel is faced with you know having a, a good possibility of something that they should have done in the first place. And that was create her own, not an origin story at this point. Obviously, you, you can't do that. Or you can go flashback. But I, I don't think it would do as well. I think just having her own adventure... Would probably be something that they are they have been now thinking about because of how well she has developed that character and i think it uh, her performance on the screen over the years has has basically i said lit a fire under you know a lot of different uh movie companies now that that say that hey yes we can promote a strong female lead character on screen in a superhero
3: movie Exactly, and that's, yeah, as you said, it's great credit to Scarlett Johansson, and I think it was an overall, it's not you know, necessarily Marvel maker's um, fault, and I think it was an overall industry stigma that, you know, having an actress like her come in and was able to ease them into this idea that this could actually happen and be a really good thing, so yeah, really great credit to her, and then you look at um, Guardians of the Galaxy, too, uh, well, You've got the, you know, they came in, they wrote these both really great characters.
0: And on, with that, I, I know that's, that's uh, kind of difficult because they're trying to give you the origin backstory on five different characters. <laughs> so I know that that's, you know, if someone is going to be left out uh, a little bit, uh, maybe from, from being developed. And, and, but I think they did a pretty good job overall, you know, with what they had to offer within the time frame they had to offer. I know that uh, as far as you know, Drax, Drax's story is pretty simplistic as far mm-hmm. as his origins are concerned. And, P- and I know they wanted to focus on Peter Quill. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was uh, an emphasis for the movie. But definitely, like, like you said, there, there's great room for improvement with some of the characters as far as their backstory is concerned. So what are some of the movies that you do like? What are some of the movies uh, within uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you think are the bullet points for people to take a look at, especially with Doctor Strange right around the corner?
3: Um, I absolutely love Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that is one of their absolute best, or the best movie that they did, um, not just because of their cast and the awesome soundtrack. Um, <laughs> that's a it's, it's a really great movie. Um, I love Thor Dark World and I know that was like one of your worst and we'll that whenever uh, but, um... you know
0: Josh Josh really thought of it strongly too as well and so I think uh out of the movies that that he and I had discussed it sounds like that uh was one of the uh one that was the most diametrically opposing movies that we uh discussed about as far as the differences in opinion and it sounds like you have that uh, difference of opinion, too. I, just thought, I Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can tell I feel a little strongly and passionately about this. Um, well, I love, besides loving the character of Loki, I'm I'm one of those weird people who I'm obsessed with villains. I love villains. They make a brick movie. And Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of Loki is phenomenal.
0: His interplay with Chris Hemsworth, uh, that's what has any enjoyment I've had for the movie is, is based off of their interplay.
3: Absolutely. And I think that's really what makes, truly makes that movie is that that interplay between them. And you see more of the emotions in Loki, um, you know, how much he loved his adopted mother and those, his father. Um, the other thing is that you, you kind of, when you look at it, you actually do get a bit of a prequel towards guardians of the galaxy. When um, Natalie Portman, Jane, her characters, um, you know, infected. That's actually one of the stones from Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's in liquid form. So, as it, you have to watch that movie before you watch Guardians of the Galaxy to actually grasp what's going on in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic before the movie came out. I, from what I understand, it was one of those random in the back of the Marvel universe. Nobody really looks at this world. Um, comic series, but actually having watched um, Thor Dark World as much as I have, uh, I going back and then watching Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, oh, I get it. Now I, I know what these stones are. I know what they're talking about. And it totally makes sense that the worlds are going to come together. So even though they are two different movie universes, Thor, or not universes completely, but you've got to watch Thor Dark World before you watch Guardians of the Galaxy. It's... It's a cool little interwoven
0: prequel. Now, this gets us to Doctor Strange, which is coming out this week as we talk uh, here domestically. It's already out in in several international countries. But with Doctor Strange, like you said, you wanted to go ahead and study a little bit more. What has, in your research, uh, fascinated you about the Doctor Strange character and the mythology of Doctor Strange?
3: Um, the mysticism aspect of it for sure. And I'm really curious to see how much of the Eastern religions they're pulling into it. Um, being a Buddhist myself, it's kind of like, Ooh, this, it kind of prickles up some of the receptors of, okay, are we pulling in some, some of the Hindu religious stuff? Are we pulling in some of the Buddhist religion stuff? We, of course you've got these monks, Tilda Swinton. I love her as the monk in this that, you know that they're, they're using her you know that that gender neutral um, aspect to her and she's such a great actress that I am so excited about her bringing into the Marvel universe
0: so that's our discussion our Marvel Cinematic Universe look out for Diana's article on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com but she is host of another show right here within the pop culture cosmos realm we've had a taste of it here on the show but Tell us a little bit more about Wine, Women, and Words with your, how should I say, cohort in crime? Yes, cohort
3: like uh, in crime. <laughs> yes,
0: uh, Michelle Levis.
3: Yes. Uh, well, every Thursday, uh, we um, do the Wine, Women, Awards Words where we have a book of the month. So it's like a book club. Um, mm. And just like any good book club, there is wine involved. We drink wine. Uh, we talk about wine. And we try to match up um, our wines with what we're reading. You know, normally, people do that with food. We do that with books. And we try to get, um, we have authors come on uh, to talk about the books that they've written. And we have different topics every week um, discussing the finer points of um, literature. And almost in movies type format, like last week's episode, if you want to go check it out, we talked about um, witches and werewolves and vampires. And all of the great books that you should go check out that have uh, those aspects in them. And where can they find Wine Woman Awards? Words? Uh, well, we can find that at on YouTube if you just put in Wine Woman Awards. I'm oh, sorry, I don't have the links. I'm a horrible guest and I'm a horrible promoter. Um, we have a Facebook page uh, that hasn't, or you can find it on um, my my handle on Twitter under Strawberry and which is spelled S T R A H B A R Y or on Pop Culture Cosmos
0: that's right i put the latest episode on the front page of the pop so be sure to check out for that and all the other great episodes that you've had on when we come back it's the guys from gamercast and they're going crazy once again who knows what to expect but we'll give you a taste of it coming up right here on the pop culture cosmos GameSource is your number one source for everything video games. Each week we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at GameSource and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news plus also about all the great things we're doing on our GameSource Facebook, Twitter, and GameSource YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world Right here at GameSource. Let's take a look at what's coming to theaters this weekend. Get ready because the Marvel Cinematic Universe gets even more crazy as Doctor Strange makes his debut on the silver screen in his own movie, rated PG-13. The toys that have become a favorite with kids all over have their own animated film as well, as the trolls arrive to the silver screen, and it's rated PG. And based off of real events, Andrew Garfield stars in Mel Gibson's war epic Hacksaw Ridge as the final wide release this weekend, and it's rated R. For more information on the world of cinema, check out Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Pop Culture
4: Cosmo on Twitter. Okay, Apparently Glenn lives in Technowar, the neon capital of the world with his sunbeam bright And he's
5: light. got uh he's got some crazy hair going on. Have you been raving all night? You look uh, like you've been
1: raving all night. No, but I like just got in the door and I'm a little tousled. And,
5: uh, is I don't know what
1: does was... that is mean? That... Yeah, Damn is me. that French? It's French for I didn't comb my hair, I think.
4: Oh, well, now everybody can paint a nice picture of you in a sunburst yellow backdrop that's bleeding my eyes.
5: <laughs> wait, wait, you forgot the ladies' clothes hanging up in the
1: background. Too. <laughs> oh, that's... oh,
4: yeah. I thought those were Glenn's. Oh, they probably there, are.
1: There's ladies' clothes hanging up in the background of all my shots, guys. Come on.
4: Isn't isn't there always you do your stage time afternoon theaters where you try to get the band next door to be your oh. musical act?
1: No, oh. too soon. So
4: Glenn,
5: I, I was just um, I was just telling Rob that uh, through the Facebook timeline, a year ago kind of thingies that happened. A couple days ago, it was me getting in my rental car and and heading on my way to Portland. And a couple of days later, it was actually you standing in front of the marquee outside the theater. Yeah, and I'm like, wow. It feels like it was yesterday, but at the same time, it feels like ten years
1: ago. Yeah, we're recording so, this on the one-year anniversary of uh, the first day of Portro uh, Portland Retro Portro. Game Festival. Portro. Portro
4: Retro Gaming Festival. It's my favorite festival. I can't Retro wait to Gaming go back. Festival. I can't oh. wait uh, to go back to why do the Portro Retro Gaming Festival. Oh, Portro, my favorite city on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm I'm flying to Portro this weekend. I I can't oh, wait. You mean you're- you're returning to Gotham City? Yeah, Portro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate you guys so much.
5: Krypton has a red sun, not a yellow one. Superman Easy. gets his power from the yellow sun. Krypton not Portro. Get your nerd right, nerd.
4: <sighs> <laughs> Let's start the show. <laughs> Alright, welcome to GamerCast, brought to you once again by Retro City Games and Emoto Arcade. I am Rob McCallum, and joined alongside uh, my two friends that you know very well, uh, Mr. Jay Bartlett. My name is Jay, and my call sign is Rogue One. And, of course, producing and editing, Portro (laughs) Stambuck.
1: Everybody's (laughs) favorite punching bag, Portro Stambuck.
4: Portro is the best icebreaker nickname <laughs> that that Portro's best friend is Zob. I love it. Cause he's raving all night. He's
5: like high on drugs and been drinking all day. That's what you get.
4: He's tousled with his Portro nuts. That's, that's me. All right. So, um, we got tons of stuff to talk about. It's been a month since our last episode. First, thanks to everybody who caught episode one of season two. Uh been lots of fun to hear the comments, and yes, we are back once a month, hour-long format again, and who knows what's going to be in each and every episode. Um, we were talking at the top of the show, guys, about Power Tour Flashback. You guys are seeing some memories in your Facebook feeds. So what, uh, what stands out a year later as the most memorable Power Tour moment? For those of you that don't know, Power Tour is where we took Nintendo Quest on a theatrical roundabout across North America. Jay,
5: specifically about
4: Portlandia. Uh, well, whatever. Portro, <laughs> any other city is fine. Yeah.
5: It was just, oh man, it was it was a surreal experience that I actually drove all the way to Portland, and most people know I'm from London, which is in Canada, and uh, that's quite a hike. So the the first pick I saw was I, I had my Kylo Ren figure to be my guardian angel. And of course I had Faith No More in the C D player, which I listened to pretty much the whole way there. And it was it was it was a spooky experience, guys. It was being there by myself. I'm used to my crew with me, but I was doing this one solo. Um But the rewards of getting there, it was so great to finally see you guys. It was like a family reunion. It was like, oh my god, other people um, I love Portland, though. The screening was fantastic, too. That was another one of those theaters that let us have beer, which was awesome.
4: I, I highly encourage more theaters to do such things. Alcohol makes and movie. <laughs> makes the movie much more enjoyable. Alcohol and independent film go shockingly well hand-in-hand in, hand in hand yeah. together.
1: Uh, Portro, what do you think? I remember I remember Stan Buck was feeling very little pain by the time the screening rolled up in Portro. <laughs>
4: Yeah, Glenn, you know, I mean... Glenn.
5: Was that was that the one where? That's the picture. No, no. But was that the one where you were getting crazy and you were doing the lines too? Rob well, and yeah, I, it was
4: the next morning.
5: Rob and I had this have this thing that at every screening we stand behind the crowd not to distract and uh, we distract each other because Rob will say my lines and I will say his lines and we kind of make fun of each other. Big shock. But Glenn <laughs> was that? Remember Glenn started to do that too? Yeah, was I that think important? He's,
4: he. I think he Pretty started sure. doing it in Columbus, but by Portland, he had like he had like this. all the other characters down pat.
1: Yeah, Portland was really special because, first off, incredible craft beer everywhere you looked in Portro. Yes. so much craft beer empire. goodness. So, uh, so we'd had a few empire. So we'd had a few of those to begin with, and then on top of that, we also got a chance to meet our good buddy Josh Schmidt for the first time. Never heard person, of him and his lovely wife Jen. And uh, yeah, I was I was kind of on the high from getting a chance to hang out with Josh for a while and get to show a movie to people in Portland, and it was the last show of the tour, and it was it was all all those pieces coming together to make it very very special and uh, and something that I look back on fondly, and I, I it was not lost on me that the anniversary of that uh, was today for
4: it's, sure. Uh, I remember as soon as the screening ended, I had the dual emotion of oh, it's <laughs> over the marathon is finally over and we can enjoy a night without having to worry about where we're going to be next week. But then it was like the same thing. Oh, it's over. We're not going to be anywhere next week.
5: I'm going to tell everyone out there listening right now, exactly what I was feeling. The final episode of the power tour, actually the final segment is um, Rob and I challenge each other to uh, eight or so titles that we're both looking to get in our library and so we kind of compared what we got from the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And I remember Glenn <laughs> was camera on that. And um, when we were shooting that, I think you can see it very well in our faces. Even in Rob's, we were both really sad. It was very bittersweet. Like we were, it was over, which was a little bit of a relief because it's very, very tiring. Um, it was very exhausting. Loved every minute, but it was tiring. And I just remember being. When Rob's like, okay, that's a wrap. I was just like, oh. And I had to get in the car and go back. <laughs> it was very sad, man. But Portland, I think, was one of the biggest highlights of the tour, man, now that I think about it.
0: For more, check out GamerCast with J. Robin Glenn today on Podbean, iTunes, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com.
3: We'll be right back
0: to close the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs>
4: What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then, I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in The Trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes.
0: And we're back. It's Gerald Glassford once again from the Pop Culture Cosmos, along with my good friend Josh Peterson, author of Congratulations, You Suck, Vendetta Dark, and the director of Ghost Toasters, which you'll be able to see quite soon on YouTube. Actually, by the time this comes out, it'll be available on YouTube. Is that correct? Ghost Toasters episode two?
2: Correct. It's released in two parts. The first one will be out Saturday. Next part Sunday. So look out.
0: Check out popculturescosmos.wordpress.com, and we'll have it right there on the front for you. Take a look on the right-hand side at our latest videos, and it'll be right there for you indeed. So we're back, and I wanted to make sure before we get into fall gaming that we give a shout-out to all of our good friends – Wine, Women, and Words on YouTube. We want to check out that podcast. Mario Party Wars, a great organization. Follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, the best gaming store in all of Southern Nevada. We want to check them out on our Facebook. You'll actually find us recording every now and then live on the Retro City Games Facebook page. Indeed. Also as well, you want to check out robmccallumfilms.com for all of his latest information on all of his projects that he has either done, like Nintendo Quest, the hit documentary, and then also check out one of his latest, Missing Mom, which has won awards all around the world and is currently going to film festival after film festival, winning praise indeed. So check out information on that. The He-Man documentary, box art, the docuseries, a lot of great stuff going on at robmccallumfilms.com. Well, so we're back talking gaming, and it is that right in the middle of that crunch season. It is the fall season, and it is the busiest time of year for gamers. One release after another release after another release. AAA game after AAA game coming out, and it is now hot and heavy, and we're right in the thick of it. Call of Duty, that is really right around the corner. There's Skyrim that just came out. There's a couple of games I want to talk about from EA, Battlefield 1 came out a couple weeks ago and followed soon after recently by Titanfall 2. Both first-person shooters, set in different parameters. I get that. But they're both first-person shooters. So if you were running EA, and Josh, we have now have you running EA, so you have your hands on all that Star Wars projects that are out there, which you have gone back-to-back with the same type of first-person shooters
2: First of all, thank you for the promotion. And uh second of all, I probably wouldn't have that, that'd be like, you know, Marvel releasing two movies on the same day. You don't really want to compete with yourself.
0: But in essence they are because you have two first-person shooters that are literally released by the same company week after week. Not to mention the fact that your leading competitor is coming out the week after. So that makes it even more because you've got an audience now that's already trying to decide between two and then the leading first person shooter comes out right after that, making it even more difficult for you to get a share of the audience. Does it not?
2: Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost confident that they thought about this before they did it. So, you know, we're, we're probably just questioning what they've already questioned, but Yeah, with, you know, you have Call of Duty coming out, which I am not looking forward to. Uh, They could have spaced it out. They could have had, you know, Battlefield come out this week, or even Titanfall come out this week, and then Call of Duty, and then maybe maybe even release Battlefield on the same day as Call of Duty, because then we could have finally found out, like, what people like better. Maybe Battlefield could have been the Call of Duty killer, finally. And then, or maybe they could have released it afterwards. It's just there's a bunch of possibilities. It just didn't seem like a good marketing strategy, but I'm sure they had a reason for doing it. What that reason is, I don't think we'll ever know.
0: Not offhand, although some of the people will be unhappy that are involved with the studios that this decision was made. Kind of found it troubling that they would go to such lengths to promote both, but. Then release both within one week of each other. You're basically trying to split your audience, in in essence, knowing full well that your your leading competitor is coming up right behind you. So it it kind of didn't make sense to me, but you know that it is what it is. They're both out. They're both really solid games, but you know asking people to play 120 for two different games that are in the same genre. They're both multiplayer shooters. Not a lot of people are going to make that choice.
2: Yeah, and clearly there are more Battlefield fans out there than there are Titanfall. Titanfall is a great game. I Don't get me wrong. I haven't played the new one yet, but I've heard great things about it, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. But Battlefield, like you know, I, just me being at the store this week, I saw people pick up Battlefield. Like they, It was selling like crazy, and I didn't see really a lot of people looking at Titanfall.
0: Well, I think it's a name value, too, because Titanfall, the original Titanfall, came out very strong at the beginning, but then the community died off, and then also the lack of single-player content really didn't help it at all, because as much as we like to say you know, people don't play the the single-player content, and when people play Call of Duty or Battlefield, they just bypass the single-player, the main knock on it is that there wasn't a a single-player, and plus the community itself died out shortly after. So even though it was a well-thought-of game, it, it could have been something even more special. And the reviews have come out very strong. Uh, I'm looking forward to sitting down, to hopefully you know playing a few sessions myself. But for the time being, it, I see Titanfall 2 getting the short end of the stick when it comes to the, the EA food chain and where they're going to go from there. I, it's great that they're going to support it with free DLC it's great that they actually now support it with a, with a strong single-player campaign, but to release it is this would this would have been a great game to release in September. I really think it was in their best interest to release it, at least a month, give it a month, a month and a half in between releases. I think it would have served both titles better. A lot of people are going to have to decide between one and the other, especially before Call of Duty comes out. But there's also some great titles as well. Skyrim Enhanced Edition is coming out. Dishonored 2, like we mentioned previously. I know Final Fantasy is also coming out. Um, and The Last Guardian, believe it or not, it has not been canceled yet so or delayed. It is still going to be a reality very soon for us. So your thoughts on the fall gaming season? Is there any particular titles that you're looking forward to to getting and picking up once the Black Friday sales hit? And is there any titles that you think people should go out of the way to avoid?
2: Yeah, uh, Call of Duty. I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just biased towards Call of Duty. But it, it's funny how all these games that you can, you, know, you can get through the campaign in like four or five hours, those games are all, they're all done. They're all behind us now except Call of Duty. But now you have these games coming out where like Skyrim, you literally can devote you know, 200, 300 hours of your life to playing this game. I imagine it's gonna be the same thing with Final Fantasy. So, gamers going forward, they, you know they're they they're, they're gonna have to put in a lot of couch time. I'm I'm looking forward to playing all these games, but I'm just not looking forward to all the stuff I won't get done and the weight all gain and all the stuff that comes with it. But hey, you know, let's uh, let's play some games, huh?
0: Indeed, we're going to keep you updated on all the latest happenings in the video gaming scene. From Game Source at Facebook and at Game Source on Twitter. So, for me, Gerald Glassford, and for Josh Peterson. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. We want to thank you for watching, want to thank you for listening. It's another beautiful day in paradise, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. <laughs>